Welcome to this edition of The Complete Story. I'm your host today, Byron Tyler. I have the great privilege of working for the Bot Radio Network affiliate in Memphis, Tennessee. Today, Mr. Bot and Rich have given me the opportunity to share about my recent trip in June to Israel. What an incredible experience, not to mention the delicious food. I want to share an interview I had with Omer Eschel. More about Omer in a moment. This program is packed with good information and details about Bot Radio Network's tours to Israel. The next trip, by the way, is coming up at the end of October, so you'll want to listen closely. Let's join the conversation now with Omer Eschel. Many of you know recently I returned from the most incredible trip and experience in my life when I went to Israel with Bot Radio Network. It was the inaugural trip that took place in June. It's hard to believe that we're on the hills right now of another Bot Radio Network trip to Israel. The dates are October 28th through November 6th. I just don't want you to miss out. If there's an opportunity for you to go, you need to go. So we want to give you some details about it. And I'm so thankful for this opportunity on the show to welcome Omer Eshel. Omer is the CEO and co-founder of The Bible Comes to Life in the Land of Israel. And he happens to be in Chicago right now. He was the one who orchestrated all of the details for the Bot Radio Network trip. Let's welcome Omer. Omer, how are you doing? Shalom, my friend. Blessings. I, I'm very good. Thank you so much. Yeah, shalom. I can't thank you enough for the experience that you offered me when I traveled to Israel. It was incredible. I just had no idea what I was going to get myself into, <laughs> so I am so glad I went. You know, imagine this is what, what Joshua said to Moses when he came back after spying the land. Yeah, that's right. It <laughs> truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, that's one of the things, too, Omar, that really impressed me is the agriculture. I mean, when we were driving through the various areas and to see these fields of chickpeas and wheat and sorghum and corn and banana groves, mangoes, avocados. Let's don't forget the grapes, the figs, the pomegranates, the olives and the dates. The food that we ate was always fresh. It was so delicious. Since I've been back here in the States, I've been craving some of that great food. You know, in Israel, when you when you ask someone, is this an MGO? If this is this is something that is is you know genetically modified or something a GMO? I'm sorry, people are going to raise their eyebrow and going to tell you we have no idea what it even means. Because <laughs> in Israel, you know, yeah, we this is the land of milk and honey. But I got to tell you, I got to tell our audience, we went way beyond just milk and honey. Yes, the food here is absolutely incredible. I must confess, I was a little apprehensive, and I think mainly because of what you see on the evening news and reports and things, worrying about safety. I don't want to have a false sense of safety because people need to be alert and, and aware of their surroundings, but I never felt threatened. I never felt I was at harm or anything. We went to the Golan Heights, to the Israeli-Syrian border, and I had a chance to interview Israeli soldiers, and I really enjoyed that time. You know, you know it's funny when, when, when you mention that, people say, is it safe to come to Israel? You know what was the, the the place last time that I felt completely unsafe? Chicago? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I was actually in, in the West Loop. I felt very, very, very unsafe. So, you know, it's funny because, you know, people see on the news what the media is trying to portray about what's going on in Israel. But on the same breath, we are seeing what's going on in Chicago. So if you're going to ask a local Israeli uh, uh, how is Chicago? They're going to tell you, oh, no, this is the crime capital of the world. It's one of the most dangerous places there is. You know, if it leads, that's how the media works. Israel is a very, very safe place. Actually, statistically speaking, you know, we had over 800,000 
U.S. citizens coming at our shores in 2018. Do you know how many of those 800,000 came back home safe and sound? All of them, I'm assuming. Praise God. Yes, thank God for that. (laughs) Hey, let's back up a little bit. I want to talk about some of your history and a little more about who Omer is. You majored in historical geography and religions at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. You also served the mandatory three-year service in the Israeli Defense Forces. You have served as Israel Tourism Council, Director for Israel Ministry of Tourism, Midwest region, and was posted in Chicago at one time. You had the responsibility of promoting tourism to Israel in 13 U.S. states. I did not know this about you, Omer, but you speak five languages. That's just so intimidating. I didn't know you did that. (laughs) I wake up early in the morning. (laughs) Which languages do you speak besides English and Hebrew? Arabic, German, and Spanish. Oh, my. That is incredible. My hat's off to you for all the extra time you spent doing that. You're also a certified Israeli tour guide, and you also served as the head of staff for Israel's national parks at several key national parks there. Correct. And when, when you're going to visit Qumran uh, or any national park in the Judean desert, and you're going to look at the signs over there, you're going to say, okay, who is the guy who wrote this stuff? That would be me. That would be you, huh? <laughs> when we talk about the core beliefs within the Jewish and Christian faiths, what do you see to be the significance of those core beliefs? You know, you know, we speak about the grafted children, you know, about the same roots of that olive tree. And especially in the Middle East, we are surrounded by people who are not the grafted children. When you visit here in Israel and you see the absolute core of, of what we believe, both Judeo-Christian religions, you see it's, you know, it's the same God, and this is God's land, and this is the place where our core believes and who we are, where he came from. And when you walk around in Israel, you'll see the mentality, you see the way that Israelis are treating the land. And that's actually coming from the book of Leviticus. I mean, when you read in the book of Leviticus, you know, the seventh year, what we call the Shemitah, or the Jubilee, you see it before your very eyes. And you know what, this is, I'm, I'm a farmer myself, originally, we used to have a dairy farm. You know, when, when you, as a farmer, uh, uh, when you see this being implemented here on the land, it gives you a better perspective of actually who you are yourself. When you talk about being a farmer, you told us a story when we were overlooking the Jezreel Valley, which your home, by the way, actually overlooks one area of the Jezreel Valley. Can you tell us that story about you and the tractor and being out there in the Jezreel Valley? Well, I hope my dad is not listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'll be honored. When um, when I was a kid, I was I was 16 or 17 years old, and I was supposed to plow the field. So I woke up very early in the morning, and I was a proud owner of a John Deere 2010. Nothing runs like a deer. I, am, I cannot agree more with that sentence. The problem was that it rained that day in Jezreel Valley and that morning. Any farmer who listens now knows you do not plow the fields when the ground is wet. But when you're 16 years of age, you're not the sharpest pencil in the box. <laughs> that's, that's, that's on me. So I took the tractor and I went to plow the field and I started very good. But then I got stuck in that mud all the way up to the chassis. I tried the defense rail lock, everything, nothing worked. So I literally walked down from the I didn't jump. I walked down from the tractor, slashed myself through uh, in, in the slush trying to pull myself out of the mud and get back home. And then my dad was lying in his bed. It was very early in the morning. And I told him the story. And my dad looked at me and he said, son, if you had read your Bible, you knew not to plow the fields when the ground is wet. <laughs> so I looked at him, you know, scratched scratch my head. I looked at him and said, dad, I read my Bible every night. I don't remember having a John Deere on the Bible. <laughs> and my dad looked at me and he said, do you remember a guy that, that really liked milk? I said, 
Cicero. He said, mm-hmm. Do you remember what happened to Cicero? I said, he got stuck in the mud. I said, well, there you go. <laughs> if you read your Bible, he knew not to go in the mud when the ground is wet. Oh, my. <laughs> what a great story, Omer. Well, take a moment, if you will, as we talk about the land of the Bible and how you see the historical and current-day events taking place in this great land and how that is really great value for the entire world. Well, you know, the Bible is Israel, and Israel is the Bible. Because, you know, when we say the Bible comes to life in Israel, it's not just a phrase. It really does come to life. And I can give you the smallest example. When I'm on a traffic jam between my home and uh, the Bible Center's office, which is next to the airport, I'm in a traffic jam in the exact same road that the Philistines sent the Ark of the Covenant with the two oxes on the fresh wagon after the Battle of Ebenezer. This is the place where, where David took the Ark of the Covenant and danced in front of it, and then it was rested in the, in the house of Obadiah, if you remember the story of Uzziah, of Uzzah, I'm sorry. So this is, the Bible in Israel is a daily life intertwined. I mean, the names are the same names as in the Bible. The, the seasons are the same seasons. And when I'm now in, in the Ella Valley overlooking the place where David slew Goliath, yes, you might going to have a cellular antenna that was not there in the time of David, but the hills are exactly the same and the distances are exactly the same. So when you are here, it really puts in perspective the stories of the Bible, and you can really analyze them from a personal point of view, not just from a theoretical one. Yes, and you know, one of our stops was at the plains of Megiddo. The Bible talks about the final world battle upon Christ's return in Armageddon. When you stand overlooking this incredible area of land, you'll understand why this place was chosen as the final battleground. This is actually one of the only places, I would say in the Middle East, I would dare to say even in the Middle East, not just in Israel, that you can cross from east to west without hitting any chain of mountains. And when the Bible speaks about a great gathering of a huge army, of all the armies, actually, when you're standing in Megiddo, which is Revelation 16, 16, and the Bible clearly says, Har Megiddo, which is Armageddon, you will see exactly what the Bible speaks about. I mean, I'm not promising you're going to look up, you're going to see four horsemen. Maybe you will, but maybe on this trip, maybe not. But when you read Book of Revelation, when you read John, and you see down the valley, you really understand why this is the place. And, you know, this is another thing, just to share with our audience. This is the place where King Josiah died. And King Josiah was the last righteous king from the house of David. And the reason why Jesus will come back as a triumph, as a warrior, in that place is because it's a completion of a circle. You see, the last righteous king from the house of David died that place. The next righteous king from the house of David will win this place. That's so wonderful. Hey, you know, Omer, too, I think for Christians, followers of Christ, who they read their Bible and then they attend worship services in their church, but sometimes you can let things become routine and, and maybe monotonous if it's not fresh. And one of the things that when you come is you actually come to Israel and you see the places that you've read about as a child and you've grown up reading about and you hear sermons about. When you go back to read the Bible, you don't ever see it the same way. I mean, it literally comes to life for you. Exactly. That's the name of our ministry. The Bible comes to life. That's exactly it. The way I teach the Bible to my girls, this is something that you and I spoke about when you were you were in Israel. By the way, I will meet the group myself. When the group is going to arrive in October, I will be there together with some of the wonderful guys that we have. But I'm going to be with the group in several days to uh, share some of my experiences. But the way we teach the Bible in Israel, especially in my family, is through the land itself. See, when I take my, my girls and we are standing in, uh, uh, let's say, Gilboa Mountains, 
And I read to her the limitation of David and the place where Saul fell on his sword. Only when you're there and you analyze and you see, and she remember that, how steep those mountains are, you understand that Saul had absolutely no alternative but, you know, to fall on his sword. He couldn't retreat. And he thought that this is the end of Israel. And what a joy it is for me that my daughter, which is seven years old, understands that. Not because I taught her that, because she looks at the mountain and she said, that I really understand why he did it. Omer, one of my other observations as I walked the streets of Old City of Jerusalem was to see fathers and their sons following behind them. The father and the sons had their yarmulkes, and they would have the tassels that would come out from underneath their clothing, and then they would maybe carry, I'm assuming, the the scroll, the Torah, in their arms, Mm -hmm. and the children would be following right behind them. They were leading them either to temple or to the wailing wall to pray. But you saw how they were carrying on teaching them the Scripture and the way of faith. It really impressed me to watch that. You know, when you think about a child going with his father, and and I want to go back again to the Bible to make it it alive to our our, our listeners right now, to our audience. Imagine a child, a four-year-old boy, walking in the streets of Jerusalem, you know, with the tassels and everything, and following his father and going to pray to God, and maybe to debate in the synagogue, because that's what we do, we debate. Now, imagine that little boy being Jesus, and the the guy in front of him is Joseph, because that's exactly what happened when Jesus was four years old. That's exactly it. What you saw in Jerusalem, that's what happened 2,000 years ago. We walk the exact southern steps toward the Temple Mount of the Lord, and using the very same steps that Jesus, the Levites, the prophets, and the kings used, the experience is so indescribable to be there. You know, when we read the Song of Ascent in the Book of Psalms, for many people, when you say Song of Ascent, when you ask them, what, what do you mean by ascent? They're going to tell you spiritually. You ascend to a spiritual higher ground. This is correct, but it's also geographical. Because when you go for the Pool of Siloam, the real Pool of Siloam, the same one with the miracle of the blind, that's the same one. You're going to touch it. You can take some, a little bit of the mud over there. When you walk up through that street that you just described, if you lift your eyes up, you will see the Temple Mount. And that's exactly what the Bible says, I will lift my eyes to the hills where my salvation comes. And that's exactly it. It's, it's, a, it's a geographical, topographical description of Jerusalem. Omer, we walked from the Pool of Siloam through the tunnel, the underground, back up to the city of David, the Palace of David, actually. Mm-hmm. So what an experience that was. That was like an Indiana Jones adventure. Exactly. It. Well, I mean, minus the Holy Grail, but yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand that this new area that's being excavated now, the city of David, I don't know how many years ago, was a parking lot. And when someone purchased it for a new construction, before you can build up, you have to dig down to make sure there's nothing of historical value. And here they discovered the remains of King David's palace. That's correct. You'll be able to go. I, I, can, I, cannot, I cannot express this enough. You will be able to be underneath the place where Solomon said, cut this baby in half and let's see who is the real mother and who is not. I kid you not. You know, this is not a Disney show. This is not a Greek mythology. That if you're going to go up to Mount Olympus in Greece, which I've been there, there's no Palatus over there, because that's a mythology. But when you are in Jerusalem and you read Book of Jeremiah, Book of Kings, the Book of Genesis, Genesis 14, Melchizedek, you're going to be at the exact same places. This is, this is no joke. You know, it's a journey to, to the core of our soul, to face what we believe and what we read and what we teach our children. The boat ride on the Sea of Galilee was another one of my favorite experiences in Israel. So beautiful to see the windsurfers. I had no idea there was actually windsurfers racing across the water besides those sailboats. And our boat captain had everyone dancing to some traditional Jewish music. 
Well, of course, there's windsurf and there's storms on that lake. We know that. It's interesting now you see how quickly those storms can come up and the winds can start blowing so strong when you're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Absolutely. Absolutely. When, when you're going to be there, and and you'll see, I mean, the, the Sea of Galilee itself is not a, it's not such a big lake. It is the biggest lake in the Middle East. It's definitely not Lake Ontario or Lake Michigan. But for the Middle East, it's a pretty large lake. Then with the, the, the Sea of Galilee, it does have a lot of wind. So the waves will be choppy uh, in the afternoon. So when you're going to be on a, this big boat uh, of today, imagine uh, a small little fishing boat of 12 people that can easily be tipped. And that's why the disciples were so afraid when they said to Jesus, how can you sleep when we're, when we're about to drown? Omar, I understand that your family is fourth generation to move into the area of the Jezreel Valley where your home is. Uh, fourth generation. Your family members, I'm not sure just how many, but in the Holocaust, you had family members to lose their life. Can you reflect on some of that a moment? My family, I have a German side and have a Hungarian side. So the Hungarian side came to Israel after 1948. They came actually after, after the Holocaust. The German side, who is more the, the biblical side of the family, Bible is a huge part of our life. And I'm not talking about just me and my daughters. We're talking generations upon generations back. And this is how God works. You know, when my great-grandfather purchased the land in the early 30s, when the Nazis just came to power, everybody in his community said, are you nuts? You're going to that deserted piece of land? I mean, who goes there? We have to remember, in the 30s, Israel was very different than what it is today. My great-grandfather said, I will live in the place where the judges and the kings walked and prophesied. And that's how they, they were saved. My German family was saved in the Holocaust, but anyone else who stayed, who didn't follow the book, actually perished by the Nazis. What uh, a story, and I know of the heritage of your family, too. I, I think it's interesting, and our staff member, Mona Stafford, who's a, a good friend of yours, she collects Bibles, and she actually brought you a Bible that dated back to the 1700s, I believe. Not just that. She brought me a Bible dated 1716, and when I opened it, it was actually printed in Germany, not so far from the place where my ancestors came from. My goodness. Well, Omar, what really motivates you most about doing the work you do in Israel? When I was a consul of tourism, many travel agencies came over to the office, to the consulate in Chicago, and, you know, they asked me to teach them how to speak Christian. I kid you not how to speak Christian. And I, I never understood what, what exactly they mean. And then I realized that, you know, there are hundreds of tour companies in Israel, but none of them are a study and education center. They're just companies. So when I got back home, I said, we need to open an education center for people to be able to experience the Bible, not just the tour. And that's how the Bible Comes to Life Traveling Education started. And actually, if you're going to go to our website, or just Google the Bible Comes to Life, you'll see that it's a travel ministry. When I decided to leave the government and, you know, give myself to God to, to promote His Word, that's exactly what we do. We do it through the tours, and our guides are being trained to bring the Bible to life. And, of course, through the Education Center, which, by the grace of God, is, is a tool to many, many churches around the world, in, in China, in, in Turkey, that cannot obtain such an information because of the local government. So God blessed us with this capacity to, to bring His Word to all over the world.
Well, Bot Radio Network is very thankful for the relationship we have with you, Omer, and the Bible comes to life in the land of Israel. As mentioned, the next trip to Israel is scheduled for October 28th through November 6th. Departing from Chicago, what should listeners do in order to participate in this exciting tour to Israel and experience for themselves where the Bible comes to life? If you want to learn about the trip itself, registration and payment and everything, just go to tbctl-usa.com. This is our registration page, and then you can register. You can find Bot Radio Tour, register there, and you're set to go. Now, if you need more information, of course, Bot Radio is one of the true vessels of, of the Word of God. Mona Steinfeld, she's absolutely incredible, one of my best friends, and she's a delight. And she is the station manager in, in Branson. You can contact also her to get more information about this amazing journey to Israel. Well, Omer, listen, thank you so much for joining Bot Radio Network during this program. We're excited about bringing our listeners to the land of Israel and discovering for themselves where the Bible comes to life. God bless you, my dear friend. Shalom. Shalom, and I will see you personally in Israel. Well, as Omer just mentioned, Mana Stafford, she is our Missouri Southwest Bot Radio Network manager, along with Northwest Arkansas. And Mana is on the phone right now. Mana from Springfield, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Byron. How are you doing? Hey, there is another trip planned October 28th, Sunday, October 28th, departing from Chicago right. through November 6th. Yes, and Byron, you know what? It is beautiful in Israel that time of year. It's warm, but it's not hot. Everything is still in bloom. I can't wait to go to Israel in October. What are some things that listeners need to know about and do pretty soon? Well, right away, they need to call me. First of all, I'll give them all the information. We'll go through the itinerary. We'll talk about the various sites that we're going to be seeing. And I'll just fill in all their questions. Mona, I think after the interview I just had with Omer, our Bot Radio Network listeners will understand now why we have connected with such a professional and wonderful organization that he leads with The Bible Comes to Life. Oh, isn't he awesome? I mean, I just love Omer. We've been friends for years, and he lives in Israel. I mean, he knows the country inside and out. And so we really have a lot of advantages by using his company. And there's also some unique things, too, Mana, about Bot Radio Network taking a trip to Israel, the accommodations, the places that we get to visit. We do things on this trip. If you compare apples to apples with other similar trips to Israel, I mean, there's no comparison. There really isn't, Byron. We have so many extras. This is a five-star deluxe tour. We're doing so many things that a lot of tours don't get to do, and it's simply because of Omar and his company. And then Ruti Giva, I mean, she is a top Israeli guide. She's very hard to get. And I know you have had several tours with her, and I got to experience her on the inaugural trip. What a wonderful—I mean, she is an archaeologist. Yes. Her husband is one of the foremost archaeologists in the nation of Israel. That's right. Excavation in Masada and other historical places. Well, because of that, we get an insight into Israel, Byron, that a lot of tours don't get. Also, this tour is small compared to most tours. It's, it's only going to be 50 people in October, which means we can move quickly. We can get in and out of places uh, fast. We can see more sites than the big tours get to see. We can go to a restaurant in the evening if we want to because we're a small group. That was one of the things I really enjoy. You took us to a place called the Spice Farm. The Spice Farm. A lot of tourists don't get to go there. It's kind of hard to get to. It's in a rural area, but they grow their food right there, and then they serve it to us. 
it's a phenomenal restaurant. All the food I ate was always delicious, yeah. fresh and so good. The hummus, which if you like hummus or guacamole and some yeah. of those fresh things, and I mean, it was just incredible. Well, they make it daily. It's never packaged. And so there's a big difference, you know. Most of the food comes right off of the farms in Israel. It's never frozen. And so when you see all those salads, everything fresh and light, Mediterranean style, I mean, it's so different than what we're used to. Mona, what do you think most that our Bot Radio Network listeners will come away with after experiencing a trip to Israel? Well, I've been talking to a lot of our uh, guests who went with us in June, and they're still just overwhelmed, Byron, you know. They're going back to their Bibles. They're comparing Scripture with what they've seen. And they all tell me it was the trip of a lifetime. Every single one says that. Yeah, I have to confess, too, it was definitely a trip of a lifetime. It was the greatest experience that I've ever had on a trip. I would encourage you, Bot Radio Network listeners, go ahead. Now is the time we need to get those numbers in because the space is limited. Yes. And it's going fast, Mana, right? Yes. Yes, it is. And if they just give me a call, Byron, I mean, everybody's got questions, you know, lots of different questions about, you know, what to wear, uh, what's the food like, the flight times, all of that sort of thing. Just give me a call. I'll be in my Springfield office. If I'm not here, Christy will take a message. I'll call you right back. And that number is 417-864-0901. And Byron, they ought to check out your videos on our website. Yes, matter of fact, yeah, you can go to botradionetwork.com. There is a photo album of the pictures from our inaugural trip along with videos. There is a promotional video. You can see clips from our trip. And actually, Mana, I'm working on another highlight video which will probably be about three minutes in length, but it has got incredible video footage from all over Israel on our tour. We want our listeners to be able to experience firsthand what we experienced. Exactly. Well, Byron, you know what? If a listener, if you've wanted to go all your life to Israel, you've always wanted to go. It's been a dream of yours. Now's the time. Now's the time. This is this year is the 70th anniversary of the State of Israel. Everything is packed full. We had trouble actually getting these great hotels because... Everyone wants to go to Israel this year. And now's the time to call. If you've got questions, go ahead and make that call today. Call Mana Stafford, the number 417-864-0901, 417-864-0901, and get those questions answered and go ahead and start making plans now to go to Israel. The trip is October 28th through November 6th. There will be future tours in 2019. You can learn about those, too, at BotRadioNetwork.com. But we encourage you to go and experience where the Bible comes to life. Mana, thanks so much for all the hard work that you've done on planning these trips. It's been an honor. It's been an honor and a blessing. Make sure you call Mana 417-864-0901 or go to BotRadioNetwork.com and experience the Bible coming to life. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.